Welcome to the Roto World Basketball Show. I am Vaughn Delzell, joined by Raphael Johnson of NBC Sports and Dan Titus of Yahoo Sports. Last week, we mock drafted. And gentlemen, I was a great example of what not to do under pressure. But this week, we're talking about what we've seen and heard this preseason so far. Uh, a couple of things like the Mavs injuries to Luka and Kyrie, Damon Lillard's debut with the Bucks, and of course, James Harden's absence at 76ers practice, which is much more up my wheelhouse. So let's start there. Dan, we talked a lot about this two weeks ago with James Harden, but he's a no-show. He called Daryl Morrill Nori a liar. He said there's no way to patch a relationship. He compared it to a marriage that's failing. Um, he won't be playing for the Sixers. So what do you think is going to happen next with James Harden? I don't think that we know. I think he's just going to start missing games. And um, I, right before we hopped on, I talked to uh, Jake Fisher, NBA insider for for Yahoo Sports. And, you know, he was he just came out with a, an article that was talking about, like, James Harden's camp hasn't really been too vocal about what his plans are. And right now, I think he's just going to, you know, not show up for work. And he pretty much told you, you know, I'm a I'm gonna make this I'm gonna make things awkward and disruptive. And Sure. Yeah. He's in shape and he, he went to practice, but you know, once, you know, you actually got to show up for things that matter, like, I don't know, a preseason game, I don't think we're going to see him. So this is going to be an ugly situation. It's going to force Daryl Morey's hand to finally do something, but I don't know. How does James Harden actually feel when the only hold up to this trade apparently is the Clippers being unwilling to let go of Terrence Mann? How far <laughs> has your stock <laughs> fell that you're getting held up because of Terrence Mann? So I don't know. I feel like I, I did a, a podcast the other day and I was like, I feel like it's going to be at least 10 games before we see any resolution to the situation. And from a fantasy manager perspective, like going into drafts mainly this weekend, because the season starts on Tuesday. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable taking James Harden because this is just going to wear on. And I don't I don't want any of that, that headache and juju, bad juju on my team. And I think that's a great segue here, too, because I was going to ask you both. Is he on your note draft list now that he may be out for the regular season start? And $35.6 million, Dan, is a lot of money to be paying someone, uh, even if it's a return for Terrence Mann and a lot of other things. So, Rafael, let me ask you, uh, what do you make of the situation? Is he on your no draft list? And um, just where do you rank Slim Thick Harden now? Man, um, I think. <laughs> when He's he, in shape. Like, he looks good again. He looks good yeah, again. When, when, when this was first discussed, when you heard the word disruption, I think we kind of feel like it's going to be someone like, you know, going into the office, just throwing stuff around like the, the video of the koala bear, or whatever, just like was like banging on the, uh, the keyboard and stuff like that. So I think people may have underestimated it. Man went to Houston on Sunday and just stayed there apparently. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, if this is a disruption, I wasn't on board with drafting him even before this, because we've seen this happen in both Houston and Brooklyn where he may not have been like outwardly disruptive, but a good game would be countered by two or three of him just kind of going through the motions. And when you're Philadelphia, you're chasing Milwaukee and Boston. Cleveland's gotten better. They addressed their, their issues in free agency. The Knicks are about the same, but they're going to be formidable as well. You can't afford to fall behind early. So if you're Philadelphia, it may be a blessing in disguise to just tell him to stay home. Um, Daryl Morey may be stubborn and think that he can solve it, but at this point, there's no solving this unless you find a willing trade partner. Yeah, there's not going to be many teams willing to take on that amount of money, like I said. But, you know, maybe 
Don't think Los Angeles will happen, but maybe Miami gets involved with Tyler Hero still if they're still in the trade block. You think that's possible? I feel no. No, man. No. Him and Heat culture? <laughs> Bro, there's a better you know, being at Club 112 running suicides in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm not just. I'm not saying it would work. I'm just saying that's an immediate place <laughs> where you look at a, a young guy that'll help Philadelphia take another leap. Because we all know Tyrese Maxey, he's about to eat yeah. up. He's about to ball yeah. out, uh, especially mm-hmm. when James Harden's out. So I was gonna make a uh, club joke, but you beat me to it. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, better chance when he's in Houston. He uh, hung out with C.J. Stroud at night after they beat the Saints, right. or that he starts the season on mm-hmm. Tuesday. But I think we all know. I should have said Club season. Live though, because Club One yeah. was in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, Club you're Live, right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, I mean, could you imagine if James Harden like went to college somewhere and got these deals, and he like had a Club Live, like he would have had the the biggest sponsorship ever. He's the guy. But uh, I yeah, mean, it, 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 aspect of that though is like Damian Lillard wanted to go to the Heat, and he wound up in Milwaukee. At what point mm-hmm. is another team going to even get involved in this? And like, no one's ever even discussed it. Because yeah. he's like, oh, I, I want to go to L.A. Get me to L.A. But, like, if L.A. doesn't want to give up Terrence Mann, then what? Then you're looking at a multi – like, I, I don't know. This could go into months. I, I He's going to start getting fined, and I don't think he cares because, I don't know, he's, he's got money. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. He just has no incentive to show up. So, I'm, I don't know. This is going to be a weird situation. Yeah. Across the board, we're going to say no, no drafting James Harden right now and uh, that he won't be playing for the start of the season. So – uh, interesting. Some we're going to keep talking about, I'm sure, next week and probably the week after that. And maybe another week because James Harden is going to drag this on and, like you said, make life difficult for Philadelphia. The both of you mock drafted uh, before this show. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the strategy because it was a 12-team points league, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Raphael. And mm-hmm. um, you both partook in it. So if you want to lead things off, tell us kind of what's your um, – What's your game plan going into a points league compared to other like category leagues? Because we just did a mock draft last episode. Yeah, points. You're just looking for volume. I think um, I don't really take. You can't take the percentages into consideration just because they aren't there to be scored. So, for example, R.J. Barrett will have more value in a points league than he will a category league. Um, I think if you're looking for like a, a player not as established, Benedict Matherin could be a similar situation. Um, so. I think that's kind of what you're looking for in terms of points league drafts. So the difference in like rankings on websites or how you draft, it's it could be stark in some cases. And I want you to tell everyone a couple guys that you kind of you may have drafted that you would recommend kind of looking at. And Dan, if you could pull your team up too, I want you to rate Raphael's team. What's better, his team or the stash today, because no one's mentioned it yet, but that thing <laughs> looking good, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, so I took a I took a glance at, hold on, let me pull it up. Uh, where are you at, Raph? I was the 11th uh, pick. Yeah. yeah, here we go. Um, so I love the way he started. He got Damian Lillard. So he went very guard-centric, and I think that that's my strategy for points leagues. He, he mentioned volume. I want to get the point guards or the guards that score a lot, get get dimes, have a lot of usage, play a lot of minutes. I think minutes is really what you're also chasing. I don't want these guys that are, you know, maybe efficient in a per 36 basis, but they don't get enough time and in, in, in production on the court. So you want to get the volume guys. Um, and I think he did a good job of doing that. He's got Mark uh, Jalen Brunson, 
LeBron James, who's great in points leagues, um, health risk, obviously, for the age. But I thought it was interesting that he took Demonis Sabonis in the second round. Uh, Sabonis is um, Sabonis's numbers from a from a points perspective is way more valuable than in head to head because you don't have to worry about his free throws. Um, and then he got his his big men are tough. You know, Alperen Shingun, uh, Anyeka Kongu. Mm-hmm. I give it a B. The interesting part about <laughs> the end of his draft is because, like, yeah. I'm like, why did he get Grant Williams? PJ Washington's a good steal. I love that in the 12th mm-hmm. round. And then Quentin Grimes, who's another guy who I would consider more of a mm-hmm. categories dude. Yeah. Um, and then Bruce Brown also, who I, I don't know that he'll get a ton of volume, even though he's starting. That's a good thing. Um, but he's not been a guy that's going to put up a lot of points. Uh, usually just does all the the peripheral type of stuff. So, but I think his core is 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 really strong. And Kyle Kuzma, perfect for, for mm. a points league. Another guy that I would probably want way more in a points than a categories. Yeah, no, that sounds like an all-around pretty solid team, Rafael. I'm impressed, my man. All right. Yeah, you know, yeah, Yahoo liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I prefer I tend to prefer category leagues when I play. So that kind of seeped into my strategy towards the end there. And at that point, there's so many people who seem to really know what they're doing in this draft it's like at that point it's kind of difficult to find like those high value guys later in draft so i'll say that for myself um looking at dan's draft tough to get it it's, it was better than what we had on the show last week you seemed a bit more optimistic <laughs> about this one you know i'll say that much so, you know, you get Anthony Davis in the first round. He's similar to LeBron James. There is a health risk, but you know the volume is going to be there. Like They're going to run a lot through him, so that's a good one. Anthony Edwards in the second round. Hmm. I'm I'm equal parts disappointed that I didn't take him with my second-round pick, a couple picks prior, and, and the fact that he was still available at 17. Like, he's yeah. going to be – I think he's going to be a stud this year, whether we're talking points or category leagues. So get him in the second round at that point. I think it's good value. Fox, Garland, Tyrese Maxey in the fifth round. Good luck getting Ooh. him in the fifth round in any league <laughs> after the James Harden news. There's no way it's going to happen. So right. uh, I know you didn't draft DeAnthony Melton, but that's another player that I think his value is going to jump considerably, um, given what we know about the James Harden situation right now. So you know, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, teammates in Houston, They'll both be good volume guys, I think. Jalen Dern, points and rebounds. I think you maybe get some blocks there, too. Yeah. I like Alsar Thompson in the 13th. Maybe he could be more of a category league guy, but you know what? He's most likely going to start, and I really like what I've seen from him in the preseason, especially defensively. You're a rookie that can defend. You're going to be on the floor. So I think get him in the 10th round. I think that's a good placement for him. Jordan Clarkson, Obi, uh, Obi Toppin, Kobe White to close it out. Kobe's probably going to be the starting point guard in Chicago. Don't know what they're going to do in Utah. I think we discussed this on a prior podcast. Clarkson's most likely going to start either at either guard position. You know, So I think he's in a good spot. Obi Toppin, kind of a roll of the dice because of Jairus Walker, but right now it looks like Obi's going to be the starter. So 12th round, nothing wrong with that, that role. I'd give it a B plus or an A minus personally. I think the volume approach that you discussed, I think you did a really good job of going for that. Well, then everyone listening, watching them has two mock drafts just laid out for them that both our analysts <laughs> both like. So, I mean, you have no way to lose. Uh, yeah. But I like the little comment to Rath from you saying uh, 
that his draft was better this week than last week. It was. My, I wasn't well, he my, felt I was more confident about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell coming out of it. It's like, oh, he, let, oh, he definitely yeah. likes the squad this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did a mock draft uh, two days after we did last week's, and uh, I felt even worse about my – my one to follow. I got LeBron in the fourth round. I was like, what am, what am I doing? What's going on here? I mean, that's good value that's for LeBron, bad, yeah. though. You know, like, yeah. I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that falls just because he's old. But, like, I feel like the Lakers did the right things to put pieces around him that they may not have to give him as much minutes. And he could still be productive in 32. He just doesn't need to play 35, right? So I think yeah. him and AD are going to have that nice balance of, yo, y'all, like, this is the window is closing. We need to make it to the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. let's do our best to kind of keep these guys healthy and ready to go for the rest of the season. Yeah, the Lakers, Lakers are definitely very interesting. We're going to talk about them and their lineup uh, later in the show because they got three options for that fifth spot. So that's definitely going to be a dynamic situation, whether they go offense or defense. Um, two guys that we kind of prefaced uh, earlier in the show was Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, gentlemen, and both of them are injured. Uh, Luca's done for the preseason. Kyrie returned to practice on Tuesday, but he's dealing with a groin. Luca with a calf injury. Now we know Luca is a bona fide first rounder. There's no debating that. Uh, but Kyrie obviously could slip in your guys's drafts or where you rank him. Um, does Luca slip a spot or two? And how far does Kyrie drop for you now, Dan? I'll let you leave this one off. Um, so I did move Kyrie back a few spots in my rankings. Uh, they just they should be up tomorrow. Um, my problem with Kyrie is that, you know, we haven't really seen him much in this preseason, whereas like Luca has been playing all summer long. So like, I feel like Luca just needed a break and uh, I, I'm not moving Luca too far down. Like he's still anywhere between that three. I mean, you could argue two, two to five range. Um, whereas Kyrie becomes like a second round pick in my opinion, like based on what I've seen of Damian Lillard, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, like all those guys that are going in like the back end of that first round. I would take over Kyrie right now because of that that injury that we don't know if that groin could be a nagging thing. It just would have been great to see him practice or at least play in a preseason game. And the fact that he hasn't kind of has me a little bit of concern going into drafts. Yeah, I, th- I found it interesting that neither of you have taken either player, Luca or Kyrie, through our two mock drafts. And from the couple of times I've seen you guys write some articles, you guys haven't uh, talked about drafting them much either. So, Raphael, do you – you just don't want any piece of these two right now. Is there a certain reason why, if that's true? I wouldn't say that um, in terms of Luca. I'd love to have him on my team. It's just that where I've been positioned in my mock draft. draft he's, either, he's either been gone or I, I've had the option in one case to draft Nikola Jokic. Like, I mean, mm. hello? I'm not, <laughs> I'm, not dra- I'm not drafting Luca instead of, instead of Jokic. So yeah. I think in terms of Irving, I agree with Dan on both points. Irving, I still had him as a second rounder. Maybe you drop him a couple spots in the second round. I think the difficult thing is that you look at that roster, if either one, if they both have to sit when the regular season starts, you really don't have any enticing, you know, streaming options. Jaden yeah. Hardy, I mean, where's JJ Barrera when you need him, I guess, because that's <laughs> there really isn't <laughs> there really isn't anything beyond those two. And you know, it just shows how fragile their situation is in terms of potentially contending as well. Yeah, I'd even add to that. So, like, even – so I had Kyrie as high as eight last week. Yeah. Okay. And that was probably a little bit bold. And I felt like, you know, if these guys can put it together, he's a 50-40-90 guy in category mm-hmm. three. 
points leagues, I think he's already going to be around that 15, 12 to 15 ranges because of the, yeah. the volume that we discussed. He doesn't get a lot of rebounds and assists. Like he's middle of the pack, right? But I think if he can put it together, he could be a first round value because he showed that in the 20 some games that he played with Luca last year. I just don't Kyrie hasn't been hurt for a while. So now like this is the first full season where he doesn't have some, you know, off the court stuff that might be affecting his games played type of thing. So like I assumed all things well, like this guy was going to be all in yeah. but to start off with a groin injury just sucks. So like, I think you got to dock him at least a couple points with that unknown in mind. Yeah. And the start of the season for Dallas isn't too difficult. I mean, you do have San Antonio as your first game. So if you're not going to play, you know, 35 minutes, that's a pretty decent opponent to face. And they follow up with Brooklyn, Memphis, Chicago, and Denver. So a few nice games in there for them to uh, kind of ease into the season. But as both of you guys mentioned, I mean, fragile situation, no bench. And that's going to be the theme, I think, for a lot of these teams uh, that have superstar duos, especially in the Western Conference. Uh, but staying on topic of the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors got a little injury themselves. Draymond Green is going to miss remain of the preseason now golden state opens up the season though on the 24th opening night second game against the suns uh so <clears throat> a couple questions here one um who is the warrior to go get in the draft whether that's the obvious and curry or maybe wiggins could be the sleeper here and two am i crazy for thinking that there's gonna be no defense played in the warriors first suns raf uh i just feel like the benches minimal no draymond's out there i mean you know, Warriors, they're going to shoot and gun. Am I right? Yeah. yeah I think they'll play some defense. Um, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll play some. You'll, you'll have Kevon Looney at, at center. Not the most exciting player in terms of fantasy or real value, but he's an essential piece for them. Um, and I think no Draymond means that Steve Kerr doesn't have that potentially difficult situ uh, question to answer of who's going to be the fifth starter. Um, now it's going to be Chris Paul and Kevon Looney in the starting lineup. Um, but I think at some point they're going to ha obviously have to have that conversation. Maybe it's something that shifts based on the opponent. And you know, we've seen teams do that in the past. Bigger opponents start Looney, smaller when you start Paul or whatever. Um, I think if anything, Draymond missing the remainder of the preseason, maybe you bump Looney up slightly, but not too much. I think the other guys are pretty much secure in where their fantasy values are right now. Has anything changed for you, Dan, with uh, Draymond news, whether he does play game one or not? Um, for me, I'm wondering, I think Jonathan Kaminga becomes a late-round flyer just based off of how he's played in the preseason. He's averaged 26 points over three games. Um, he's intriguing to me because, I don't know, when he were playing, I watched the Lakers game, and, dude, he just blows by people and just mm -hmm. finishes with authority. Like, if he's figured out his handle – and and also how to shoot, you know, when he gets that catch and shoot opportunity, he used to fumble the ball a little bit, wasn't as comfortable, but he seems very comfortable in the offense now. And he, he's a guy that I'm I'm worthy. I think he's worthy of like an 11th, 12th round pick this year. Um, and then if it doesn't work out and Draymond comes back, then you drop him for somebody else. That's a better waiver pickup. But um, obviously, Chris Paul is going to be drafted on most teams. So you won't be able to draft. You won't be able to get him. Um but I think Kevon Looney is also a person that I would I would roster in late late in drafts because of his rebounding, his blocks, and his sneaky assists as well. Um, yeah. He does a lot of dribble handoffs <laughs> and doesn't turn over the ball at all. So um, I think those are the two people that would probably benefit the most if Draymond were to miss time. But all reports seems like Draymond's going to be ready for the season opener. 
So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, but I expect he'll be out there, especially versus Phoenix too. Like Kevin Durant hasn't played against the Warriors in like, I think since he left Golden State. So um, whether it's been injury or other, um, so this is going to be a big game for both teams. Yeah, definitely like that factor too. And if I'm going to be taking the over, Dan. Uh, but the Kaminga <laughs> shout out is definitely an interesting one. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's averaged almost 10 points per game in both the seasons with the Warriors so far. This is year three. It's kind of when the young guys start to take a leap forward. He played about 21 minutes per game last year and also got uh, 28 starts in two seasons. So, you know, he's got he's starting to get some chemistry and probably get some confidence here with the Warriors in general. So I like that look. And if uh, Kayvon Looney looks rebounds anything like he did in the postseason, I mean, yeah, that guy's definitely worth a flyer. Um, Rebound so. overs. Yes, 100%. So just a reminder, everybody, you can find all your favorite NBC sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com backslash NBC sports for that. So I want to talk about another superstar duo, Dame Dalla and Giannis, the Greek freak. Uh, they debuted together this past week. Dame struggled on Tuesday versus Oklahoma City. Uh, he struggled in general, though. In his first two games, he's gone 5 of 21 from the field two for 11 from three. Um, he went 0 for 5 from three in the last game with five points, four assists, and two rebounds. So, Wrath, uh, are we worried at all about Dame Dalla? Getting, or is he just shaking off the rust right now? He's just getting used to this team, right? Yeah, I think it's rust because, you know, from what I read, he didn't do too much basketball-wise during the summer just because he was waiting for a trade to happen. And obviously, you don't want to potentially risk ruining your trade value by getting hurt. So, I can certainly understand that. So I think it's about a, a rust factor for him. And, you know, water finds its level. You know, we've seen him do great things for years in terms of the production. Different situation now he's playing next to Giannis. But I think that could make things easier for him in some ways in terms of the quality of looks that he gets offensively. Personally, I'm more worried about Chris Middleton and his, his knee situation than I am Damian Lillard right now. Dan, how do you feel about that, too? Because we didn't mention Milton yet. Giannis obviously looks great. He was 15 of 22 and 20 minutes per game so far through two games. So no need to talk about the Greek freak. <laughs> yeah, I actually moved up Giannis a couple of spots in my rankings. I had him as a back-end um, first-round pick just because of the free-throw problem. But he already admitted that, like, he's like, I've never been this open before. And that's just the gravity of Damian Lillard and what that brings to you. So um, I think Giannis is going to be set for a really good season. Damian Lillard, not worried about it. He's just shaking off the rust, as as Raf said. Um, but I am I am also I echo his his sentiment on being concerned about Chris Middleton. He hasn't played. He's getting five on five work, but like I think this is going to be a injury maintenance thing um, because his knee has been an issue before. He just had a wrist surgery last year. This guy just can't get right. Um, shout the I know we had a life reference at some <laughs> point. <laughs> my head just went. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so like, I, I'm ranking him as such, man. Like I have him well into the eighties because I'm not confident that he's going to return to the Chris Middleton that we saw before as like a top 40 guy. Um, yeah. the usage is going to be taken away a little bit. I think we're going to see a, a downtick in assists, a downtick in scoring. I'm not that interested in him. He's going in that, like Tobias Harris range of, you know, if you're looking for a forward, sure. He's a good guy to have, like you know, for depth, but I'm not expecting anything great from Chris Middleton this season. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's crazy to hear you say 80s, but it's very – you could justify that so easily with this certain situation right now. So, Raphael, is the same with you. Are you having 80s, 90s? Where are you ranking him? I don't have him that low. I have him in the 70s. But, okay. yeah, I don't 
you have them even lower than that, that's certainly understandable. You know, you bring in the potential decrease in usage with Lord in the fold. Malik Beasley, I think he's played well during mm. the preseason, so that's someone else. Obviously, they aren't going to run plays for him over Chris Middleton. Like, I sincerely hope not, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to happen. But the injuries, you know, wrist and knee issues he's dealt with in recent years, yeah, it's it's a definite concern on my part. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you in a lot of ways there. Stay away from Chris Middleton, it sounds like. And I know uh, in the league with my hometown friends, they'll be taking Middleton just for the name tag itself. So, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, that's cool with me. Uh, you know, one guy I did take in a draft last week in a mock was Porzingis. And I was actually pretty happy with him in a nine cat. Um, I also took Robert Williams on Portland, too. So I had the two that were swapped, obviously. But the Boston Celtics looked pretty good. And their win over the Knicks, 123 to 110. Um, you know, every Celtic outside of two of them um, in the top seven had a positive row plus minus, and the two negatives were minus one. Uh, so quickly, uh, Raphael, I want you to talk about what you thought about the starting five here, and I'm just going to rattle off some numbers. And I want you to tell me who you're impressed with, because Jeru went 10-7-6 stat line, Porzingis a 28 with two blocks, and Tatum, of course, 28, 8, and 4 looked great with all these guys. So uh, who were you impressed with and how did you feel about the lineup? Um, I think it makes sense. You know, Porzingis defensively can impact the game in terms of being a shot blocker. Um, not the most physical player. That would be my one concern with this starting five. But when you have Derek White and Drew Holiday harassing people on the perimeter, you're going to get some opportunities. You know, those guys can both boost their steals. Maybe even Jason, Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, too, just playing off the ball, being able to jump some passing lanes. Um, that could help them. Not too much in terms of the numbers, but they look good. Uh, Al Horford, I thought he played well in his 23 minutes off the bench. His value takes a hit in that reserve role, but he I think he's still worth a look in, in deep leagues or as a late rounder in standard leagues because he's going to be in the rotation. There will be times when he's on the floor with Porzingis, so – yeah, you really have to like that first six that the Celtics have right now. I think Horford's still going to offer, you know, upside and three-pointers and rebounding with the Celtics mm -hmm. off the bench. That's one thing the Celtics are going to do. If they have a stretch forward or stretch center, he's going to shoot. Uh, Horford's going to do that. But Jalen Brown had 17, Dan. Derek White shooting 50% from the field during the preseason. Obviously, can't expect that to continue. Uh, but do you like what you see? And you, you, you agree this is the starting five for the Celtics. This should be it. Yeah, it definitely should be the starting five, but I have similar concerns about their physicality. Um, and obviously KP is not the 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 picture, um, is not the image of that you want to expect for you know picture perfect health here. So I think rostering Al Horford makes a lot of sense just as an insurance policy. Um, he's a guy that doesn't need a lot of a lot of minutes to be productive between his defense, his his three-point shooting there, which is also kind of sleeper, um, considering that he's a four slash center. Um but yeah, Derek White, I'm very encouraged by like, even though he's kind of in the similar role that he was in last year, playing off ball, catch and shoot threes, can can run the offense as well, um, but also gives you the defensive stats. And I think that's the biggest upside with drafting Derek White. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA at the guard position. And I was also really curious as to why D'Angelo Russell decided to <laughs> call him out and be like, yo, I need to be more like Derek White. I'm like, OK, that's. That's an interesting uh, shout out there, but I mean, yeah. I, I get it from a fancy mm -hmm. perspective. I get it real life too, man. The guy's a, he's a winner and he just plays hard, but I've never, I don't, can you guys remember a time where we can 
like point to D'Lo being like, oh man, he just ran for a loose ball, or man, look at D'Lo's strapping up yeah. on defense. Like that mm-hmm. never that never happened. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see D'Lo turn the corner there. But um, in terms of the Boston Celtics, like I've been between Drew Holiday and Chris Stapps Porzingis go around the same place in drafts. Like they're in that fourth round, like they're within four spots of each other in ADP. And I've been tinkering with different, you know, mock drafts of, but I feel better when I get KP because of that blocking upside that you're getting with the score. And I think he's going to be a very efficient big and the rebounds are going to be there. Um, You know, his preseason uh, rebound rate looks pretty consistent to what we've seen in years past. And, you know, if he can be a 20 and 10 guy with two and a half with two blocks, um, you know, you're looking at top, top 30, top 20 potential there. Whereas Drew, I feel like is going to suffer a little bit just because he has to give up so much of that facilitation to uh, Jason Tatum and, uh, and Jalen Brown as well. So I do prefer KP in the fourth round over Drew Holiday. Yeah, I got the chance to watch Porzingis play in person last year, Wizards first jazz. Uh, and he made Laurie marketing look like a child. Like Porzingis is humongous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he can strap and shoot like that is very impressive. So uh, before we move to the next topic, over or under three and a half Boston Celtics finished top 100 in fantasy. Over. over, over three and a half. Yeah, I'll take the over. Mm-hmm. Would you go over four and a half? Derek White has to sneak in there for they plus money. The... <laughs> I'll take I, it. Yeah, I would do it. I think even at like minus, they have all five. Yeah, yeah. I think they can get all, right. all five in there. It sounds like the Boston Celtics are definitely worth stacking. Then I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean Tatum and Porzingis is what I ended up in my other league uh, that I mock drafted, and I was that's pretty a, happy having a really that. Really nice stack. That's a great. So uh, yeah, I think that's the way to go about it here. So thank you for that, gentlemen. Going from Derek White to Kobe White, which one's better? No, I'm just kidding. We know which one's better. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the Chicago Bulls uh, look like they're going to start Kobe White and Patrick Williams. Obviously, Pat Williams was no surprise with the paw. He had 65 games played last year. It started for Chicago. 10 points, four rebounds, two combined steals and blocks. That's kind of what he does for Chicago. Speaking as a Bulls fan, he's strictly defense and stretching the floor for threes. Can't expect much more from him with the usage rates for Levine and DeRozan. But Kobe White, interesting. So, Rath, let me ask you, where are you putting Kobe White? Is he top 100 in fantasy for you right now? Uh, Because – I'm not drafting him. I'm not drafting any yeah. Bulls straight up as a fan. Not I can't go that high with him. Um, I think he's played well throughout the postseason. Um, last night he had five turnovers, but not Ooh. too worried about that. Yeah, that was that was the exception as opposed to the norm for him in this preseason. So I don't think I'm not taking him top 100 because you know you mentioned Zach Levine and Demar Derozan. They can both run the show themselves. So it's not going to be like a situation where. Kobe White or whoever run, would run the point is going to be bringing the ball up every time down. So that's why that's one reason why I wouldn't have him top 100. Uh, other thing, I think he's get better as a catch and shoot guy. Um, you know, you're playing off of Levine and DeRozan. That has to be better. I think that has to be better for the Bulls as a whole. So yeah. those two stars, Vucevic, there really isn't too much to go around there in terms of, you know, fantasy value. No, not at all. And I mean, no, Caruso's banged up right now. He's strictly defensive guy. You don't want him in fantasy. At least I'm assuming. I want no parts of him, period. I mean, the other guards were Ayo DeSumo and Javon Carter. So getting Kobe White in there, I think, was kind of necessary because the Bulls were bottom three and three-point shooting all season and uh, bottom 10 offense in general. So, Dan, 
Uh, you could touch on Kobe White, but if there's one Chicago Bull that's worth drafting this year, who would it be? Um, for me, it was Kobe White, just because I feel like the sleeper potential of him being the starting point guard. You mentioned the turnover issue last night. I mean, I think I'm, I'm not overly concerned about that. I mean, he's been shooting 59% from the field. I don't think that's sustainable by any means, but um, the 40% is what I'm encouraged about from the three-point line. And much of what I've read from Billy Donovan and also Zach Levine, they have a lot of support for him and his ability to, to get out in transition, use his speed, his, his changing of speeds. because He's a very fast guard. Um, I think this is going to be his best season yet. And if he's a starter and I can get him at a ADP of 141, you know, that's like 11th, 12th round. He's worth a flyer um, for the upside of it. But I would temper expectations that he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be like Lonzo Ball with the Chicago Bulls here, right? He's <laughs> going to be he's going to be a guy that you plug into your lineup with back end guard depth that could get you some production. And if he can hold on to that starting spot, I mean, his only competition really is Javon Carter right now. Um, I don't think Io DeSumo is going to get there. Um, and Alex Caruso is already banged up. And I think they're going to probably put him more at the two um, right. than the one. So. Um, I think that this is the stars are actually aligning for Kobe and not, let's not forget. He also got a, a contract extension um, this past summer. So I think that they're invested in him to be the guy. And now it's going to be a chance for him to prove it. How long that lasts. We'll see, but I, I'm not overly optimistic about the bulls in general. I know Vaughn's not um, he's staying, staying clear mm -hmm. of all bulls, but yeah. I, I think the only person I'm fading for real is probably Vucevic. And that's only because, you know, I'm not expecting him to do what he did last year, given his age and how many games he played and where that team is right now. Um, so I think there's some upside with Kobe White, though. Yeah, Kobe White uh, averaged a career low 9.7 points per game last year. But I think that spoke to really the Bulls offense and team in general. Uh, he did play career high, though, 74 games. So I think that's a very crucial part and drafted him late as well this season. For sure. But, 13, 15, 12 points, and 9.7 last year. That'll definitely hit double digits. And uh, quickly to touch on Vucevic, gentlemen. The last time I went to a Bulls game, it was at TD Garden in Boston. And DeRozan shoots a fadeaway jumper to air ball down by two. We get the rebound. They kick it out to Vucevic for the game-winning three. I just closed my eyes as a Bulls fan. You know he bricked. Uh, this is like he's our best three-point shooter outside of Levine, and this is sad. Yeah. Uh, but another team that struggles with three-point shooting is the Lakers, and we kind of talked about how they can go offense or defense in that fifth spot for their for their lineup. Uh, talk about Tareem Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, and Rui Hachimura. I like Rui. I mean, obviously he impressed everybody in the NBA playoffs last season, so he's that instant offense that lineup would need, but kind of feel like Vanderbilt has the inside track just because the defense and the rebounds. Uh, Raphael, what do you think about that? I actually think it may be Torian Prince. Oh. Um, he's a good defender as well. He's and a he's, he's a good three-point shooter too. So you talk about playing off of LeBron, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Davis. I think he fits them to a T in terms of what he can do. He can take on threes or fours defensively. So – he started, I believe he started every preseason game outside of the first one. Uh, obviously, Jared Vanderbilt's been hurt with a heel injury. But Prince has looked good in that role. Darvin Ham's kind of said the decision has been made, but he won't tell anybody. Could be Vanderbilt, but I wouldn't be surprised if Torian Prince was that fifth starter on opening night. Would you be surprised, Dan? This is his fifth team. Uh, overall, and I think it's probably going to be the best fit for him, strictly because he won't be asked to do too much. 
Yeah, I feel like Raph's right. I think it's more about less about how Torian Prince has been playing and more about Vanderbilt's injury. And Darvin Ham said that uh, when he was asked about what Vando's status was for the opener, he said, we'll see. So I think by nature of that, I think you can assume that Torian Prince is going to be the one getting the starting nod. I don't know that that makes him fantasy relevant to me. I'd rather have Vando still for the long term, um, just for that defensive upside that he provides. And he actually has a little three ball too, a little little corner three that he's trying to debut last year in the postseason that I think he's improved upon. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be interesting between Vando and Hachimura to see who kind of vies for the that fantasy value. Because I think Hachimura was great off the bench, but I could also see a lane where he's you know the catalyst, one of the catalysts for the second off for the second team. And he gets gets buckets. Um, he seemed very comfortable in that role last year. And um, but yeah, I still probably feel more comfortable rostering Vando over all of them. Yeah, he'd have to be a little more comfortable because D'Angelo Russell wants to be more like Derek White. Derek White's not out there getting buckets on offense like that. Mm-hmm. So he's not getting 15, 20. Uh, but yeah, no, very interesting to see how D'Lo performs because uh, you know I didn't expect him to be around with the Lakers this season. But Prince could be an interesting guy. You know, thirty seven percent three point shooter for his career. He shot between 37 and 42 over the last three seasons. So uh, nice call, Rath. We'll see. We'll see if it pans out. He'll be the starter, but that would be intriguing to me for sure. Let me tell you guys a little bit about a Roto World basketball draft guide, if you don't mind. The basketball season is almost here, and you can tell because we've been mocking away. So get the Roto World basketball draft guide, which includes all rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league this season. Go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now and use code preseason25 to save 25% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. And with that, we'll be using our e-gift card on a Ben Simmons jersey because we're on the bandwagon. No, we're not. I'm not. But Rath is. I could tell by Rath's face. He he came on here with a mustache, and I said, that's the stash of a Ben Simmons fan. I could tell. <laughs> I will not take this slander. <laughs> no, I I think he, he's done a solid job in the preseason. Um, he's still a player that you take like right around that 90 to 100 range for me personally. Um, the whole Philip Petrosev and Patrick Beverly controversy from last night is what concerns me. Like, why are yep. you talking? Da- why are you talking down to a rookie when a vet's talking to you? <laughs> Turn like, your swag down, bro. Take yeah, that swag down. <laughs> hey, you know he's healthy. You know, feeling himself a little bit, running around and all that. But I think you still take him in that ninety to one hundred range. The upside is there, um, especially since it now seems that they believe in playing him as a playmaker. Last year was a disaster when he was available. You know, moving in the center. I don't think we're going to see that happen this time around. So that's good, but. It doesn't really change much for me. I need to see it before I buy into Ben Simmons. Yeah, I mean, we know the assists will be there. He had 18 in the last two preseason games. He also added 12 rebounds. That's what he does. He's the all-around guy, but only 14 points, eight and six in each game isn't going to get you uh, a whole lot during the regular season in fantasy standards. Dan, how are you uh, feeling about what you've seen for Ben Simmons this far? Have you moved him up at all, moved him down, staying the same because you're a non-believer? What is it? Um, so I'm trying to put my past bias aside for a moment, but I just feel like I was looking at the same guy that he was over the last few years. Like he gets out in transition, yeah. makes a couple flashy passes. He can he can dunk near the rim. He's still not comfortable taking any kind of mid-range shot. So the problem I have with Ben is 
I just don't understand how this guy's a point guard. But when you get to a half court set, what do you do with him after he gets rid of the ball? He stands in the mm-hmm. corner. He goes away from the basket. Like so, like from a fantasy perspective, cool. He can get some rebounds and get some assists and he can get some steals. But he's going to hurt you in so many other places that I'm like yeah. categories league. I'm still off him. Like I, I haven't seen anything from him. If he was pulling up with a, a little midi jump shot, I'd be like, okay, this guy's evolved a little bit. He's the same guy. I'm not buying into it. Like, I don't get why his his ADP is climbing up. It's up five spots since last week. Y'all are drinking the Kool-Aid too much, man. This guy's going to be regular. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed. Like, cool. If you need some back-end assists and rebounds, I get it. But don't overreach for this guy. Like, I saw him go in, like, the eighth round of a draft the other day. And I'm like, what are y'all smoking? Like, get yeah. off that pack. Get off the Simmons pack. Yeah, we know that Giannis at least came with a semi-pull-up mid-range jumper the past yeah, two seasons. Like, like Giannis improved is and worked attempting these threes. His game is improving. Like, Ben is the same guy he was before. Don't let yeah. him try to tell you otherwise. Yeah, and he arguably got worse in free throw shooting last season. I mean, he had a career low of 43.9% from the free throw line. I mean, you're tanking in a categories league if you draft Ben Simmons and uh free throws and obviously and let's, let's not also forget this man had eight turnovers everyone's talking about oh my yeah. god he had eight assists and nine rebounds mm-hmm. whatever he had eight turnovers and he had this one he still loves to do that i'm trying to figure out who's worse at a jump hook is it ben simmons or is it rudy gobert because they're both fucking <laughs> terrible like just stop trying to do it he tried mm-hmm. to do this sweeping thing coming across the lane like tobias harris hasn't seen that that movie before yeah. like he's garbage man i'm sorry I, he, no. he's, I, I can't I can't get past it, man. His offense no. is just not good. It's not good. Yes. I'm not I'm not gonna get real back into this. Y'all <laughs> not doing it too. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I wanted to have some fun here in the Ben Simmons segment because how could you not? I mean, it's a great topic, but uh right, I do want to say I'm not hating on this the stash by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my girl I want to switch it up because the beard, I just can't get a beard like Dan. He's got his going. And she said, just don't bring the stash around. And I said, oh, man, because that's what I was thinking. So it's almost November, mm. man. You got to, it's, uh, was that Movember? November, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's stash know. season. So that's the time for you to let it off. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'll, it's Halloween's coming up. I don't want to scare all the kids. So, yeah, <laughs> we won't do that. But uh, I am scared to draft Zion Williamson, gentlemen. I talked about getting him in about the seventh or eighth round if I, if I could get him there. And I just didn't pull the trigger both times. Um, he might play center. And that's that's substantial. Uh, he got two blocks, five steals against Orlando on Tuesday. Rath, do you uh, think that impacts him, like, substantially? We're going to move him up a round or two? Well, how many teams were in these leagues where you're getting him in the seventh or eighth round? <laughs> Hometown leagues. Because, well, there, I also did, I do that. 10 and 12 team months, Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, it's uh... He's been going off the board and set the fifth round in a lot of the mocks that I've been doing. Yeah. Well, see, I don't mock draft with sharps like you guys have been. And that's <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to win. I want to <laughs> win. <laughs> yeah, but I think nothing really changes for me. I, I still think he's a fifth rounder because you have to gauge the availability mm-hmm. issues. I think he had the one season where he played 60-plus games. That was also the year that was shortened, you know, after COVID. We only played 72 games. So the other two years, he struggled with availability. That's your concern. Um, the production outside of, say, three-pointers and, and free-throw percentage, those, you know, everything else is going to be there. He's going to have the scoring, field goal percentage, rebounding, get your defensive stats. 
And I think being able to play some at five, especially if Larry Nance isn't available to start the regular season, that could give him a nice boost because nobody's going to body that man. Like they may be taller than him, but you're not going to go down there and bang with him and push him under the basket while he's on defense. So I think that could potentially benefit him, but it doesn't really change his draft position for me. Zion has like that feel and factor when you're watching him play, especially in transition when he's pushing the ball on somebody. You feel like he could do that almost every single possession. It's like LeBron James factor, you know, whenever you're like, why doesn't LeBron just do that every single time? Uh, And Zion kind of has that ability too. But yeah, as much as he can be in the paint, I think that benefits him the most. Uh, Dan, how did you feel about Zion playing a little center and how's that impact him? Man, I've been moving him up the list. Um, that's going to hurt Jonas Valachunas a bit if they decide yeah. to play small with with uh, Zion at center. But I think it's a great move by Willie Green, to be honest, because they have so many shot creators on that offensive unit that you can afford to let uh, to let Zion kind of play off other people and let him be point Zion. He's shown success with being uh, a pass forward, a pass, uh, a little bit pass um, mm-hmm. friendly, I, I should say. Um, but I, I think I've I've warmed up to Zion this year. Like I was worried about the off the court stuff and whether he would actually take this this season seriously. And he looks healthy. Um, I'm more encouraged by the defense. You know, coming out of Duke, this guy was swatting everything. He was active in the passing lanes, getting steals, ripping people. I think we're seeing some of that now. Um, so if the game is slowing down for him, that's only going to be better for fantasy. And you know, even though you're getting him, you know, fifth, sixth round. I think I got him, uh, Vaughn. We did a draft with Sportstopia, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. I got him. I got him, Julius in the fifth, and then I went Zion in the sixth, and I got torched in the comments for it. But that was like really? Julius Randall was like my insurance to you know uh, Zion if in case he gets hurt. But I think getting those two around that time is like perfect for fantasy because I think both of those guys offer a lot in terms of you know shoot scoring near the rim, rebounds, assists. Um, both kind of point forward guys that I think uh, are actually pretty valuable in the mid rounds if you miss out on some of those, you know, high end assist guys. So, yeah, I like Zion Williamson and I'm not afraid to take him in the fifth round now. I think I warmed up to it. He looks, he looks legit and real, and the Pelicans are going to be a good team, assuming they can stay healthy. Yeah, it's a big assumption, but I'm excited to see him on the court, man. He is, he is definitely a rare talent. And when he's on the court, he's fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, all all kudos to Zion, and let's hope he stays healthy. But fifth round sounds like where he's going. Sixth round would be a still uh, consensus across the board here. Seventh round if you're drafting with people from Pennsylvania. All right, <laughs> Sunday Night Football features a Pennsylvania team, actually. Uh, two of the most explosive offenses in the NFL are playing when Philadelphia takes on the Dolphins of Miami. Get ready, gentlemen. It's going to be a shootout, 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. I don't want to bet this game, but I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I'll have to see what the NBC crew at night uh, has on this one. But I like the Bucks and the Steelers this weekend, gentlemen, uh, as a little tidbit there. So let's talk about two rookies before we get out of here. Uh, Sir Thompson and Brandon Miller. Of course, you got to talk Brandon Miller. I'm going to be the Brandon Miller hype guy all year, no matter how bad it gets. Uh, but you guys are the Sir Thompson guys, so – um, you said that he might start with Detroit, Raphael. You were mm-hmm. mentioning him earlier. Is that can he be a top 100 guy? Well, to give credit where it's due, Dan was the first person to mention this. So yeah. I wasn't. Right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I got to take my little victory lap while I got it. Yeah, I, I didn't hard. get it out the way. I would. Yeah, 
I wasn't as sure um, when he said it, but now we, as we've seen, as we've seen how things have trended, Jaden Ivy coming off the bench every game, Alistair Thompson starting, um, Boyan Bogdanovich, he'll start when he's available, but at that at this point, I think Alistair's defense is what's gotten him on the floor, and it's what's going to keep him on the floor. So, and he, he's got good playmaking skills. Um, I think. That may have been overlooked a bit during the pre-draft process because his twin brother, Amen, was running the point for Overtime Elite. But Alsar can make some plays on the ball as well. you got Cade Cunningham. That perimeter, those two are going to be a handful defensively just because of their size and length if they're paired in the starting lineup. So Alsar, I think I wouldn't use a top 100 pick on him, but I think shortly after that point is where you should really consider grabbing him off the board. And then, as we mentioned, obviously you're high on him. And we know Kate Cunningham's going second, third round in most drafts. We know Jalen Duran offers some uh, value uh, in late round picks. So is Thompson like the guy to go get in drafts for the Pistons? Or is that still Cade right now? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's Cade, then probably Jalen Duran. <clears throat> then I would probably put a SAR right there in that in that category of probably him and Jaden Ivey. I, I mean – Jaden Ivey is going to be a good six man. Like I think he's going to be better than he was last year just because he actually has some playmakers around him. He's not having to deal with like Killian Hayes and whatnot. So, um, but Asar, I feel like is the, the, the reason I like him now is because he doesn't need a lot of usage to be effective. He's going to struggle from the field. Most rookies do. Uh, you got, you kind of got to just take that for what it is, but I think what he's going to be able to do defensively, like Raft stated in that Monty Williams system, like he's going to be super disruptive. And that's why I want to draft him in like the 10th, 11th round um i reached for him in the in a mock draft we just did and i'm probably gonna have to continue to do that because i'm gonna make sure that i always have him on my team but that's around the range of where you're gonna start reaching for guys with higher upside anyway so um yeah i think asar thompson is gonna be the one he's gonna be the third piston that i'm gonna take off the board um i love what i've seen and and as raf said like the playmaking He'll be able to shoot some threes too, but it's really the defense that that really gives him the, the biggest appeal for me. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he has. Obviously, I, I loved Jaden Ivey last year. I thought he was so fun to watch play. I thought he was a good fit with Detroit. So the fact that he's getting a starting nod already uh, yeah. just shows you what they really believe in when it comes to Thompson. So I'm excited about that. I have a lot of belief in Brandon Miller, as I spoke about a couple times on this show, but he's not doing a whole lot to back me up. I mean, he did get 25 points and 16 boards in his three games, but he's only made one three-pointer, which I thought would be a little more of his game in the NBA uh, with his shot-making ability, especially his ability to create some space. Uh, so, Rath, what are you expecting out of Charlotte in general and Brandon Miller in this lineup? Because he's probably coming off the bench since you guys love Gordon Hayward so much. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um Gordon Hayward just returned to practice today, as a matter of fact, uh, being Wednesday. Uh, went through the scrimmage, did some drill work as well. So it looks like he's on track to be available when the season opens. You've got the Miles Bridges situation suspended for 10 games, maybe even more um, based yeah. on what's happened in recent weeks. So I think Brandon Miller's position has improved, um, even with Hayward returning to practice, because we know his injury history at this point. Yeah, he may be available to start the season, but you're just kind of holding your breath for that first extended absence. So I think Miller, I, th I had him like 130s, 130s, 140s. Um, I wasn't as high on him as, as maybe you are, but 
I think that's about where I would take him in drafts right now, personally. Yeah, I mean, fantasy-wise, he's probably not going to be a great option for the first year or two. In regards to just playing time, NBA talent, um, I'm high on him in that regard. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player moving forward. And, Dan, I think you need to brand a Sar Thompson as your guy, how I branded Miles Bridges as my guy a few years ago with his props. Um, so just keep pushing that narrative, my friend. But sticking on Brandon Miller – uh, what's your expectations on the Hornets and who's the guy that you would go and get in drafts from Charlotte outside of LaMelo? Man, man, I'm worried because so last year there was Brooke Lopez was one of the guys that I got completely wrong last year. And Raph was like spot on um, out of all the analysts around uh, the, the landscape here. So the fact that he says that he had Brandon Miller at 130 has me sweating a little bit because I got Brandon <laughs> Miller at two, 200 right now. So maybe I'm too down on, on Brandon Miller. Yeah. But I, the reason why I am is because, like, you said it right. You said it, Vaughn. Like, Gordon Hayward is going to be starting. And until Brandon Miller cracks the lineup, like, yeah, he did start two out of the three preseason games. But I don't know that they're just going to throw him in there yet because I don't think that the Charlotte Hornets know what they have. Like, they re-signed P.J. Washington. They re-signed Miles Bridges, which, you know, we know what, what comes with that. Yeah. He'll have some short-term appeal while Bridges is out, but I I don't know, man. Like I'd much rather the only Charlotte Hornets that I'm rostering are Lamelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Mark Williams. If I take a flyer on Gordon Hayward or Miles Bridges or PJ PJ Washington is deserving to get drafted too. I I should have included him in that. Um, but I feel like PJ is going to be the is going to be the one to eat the most in. Miles Bridges' absence, not Brandon Miller. So until they get rid of some of that wing depth, I don't see a place where Brandon Miller is actually going to be fantasy viable right now for fantasy managers, which is why I ranked them in the 200s, because I'm like, I'm not drafting anybody in the 200s. So let me actually, let me look real quick who I have in front of him, because I feel like that is a little low. All right, so I got to get you assists. I got him him in some ugly territory. All right, I got to move him up. That's not fair. I got him around. Give us some names. <laughs> Kenyon Martin Jr., uh, AJ Griffin, Isaac Okoro, TJ McConnell. So, like, I got him as like waiver wire depth here. So, so that's you got probably TJ McConnell ahead of Brandon Miller. Yeah, that's it, that's probably a bit aggressive. So, I'm gonna move him up. I'll probably get him into the 170s, maybe 160s. I think that's probably more appropriate. Yeah, probably. TJ McConnell. Didn't think we were going to hear that name on the show today, but <laughs> here we are. Hey, TJ uh, McConnell is a TJ's very been good, good. fantasy yeah. player. He's yeah. a very good fantasy player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where I went to college, his uh, his father is actually the woman's coach where I went to college. Uh, and he's actually oh, like, legendary. Yeah, like mm-hmm. love him there. Um, but real quick, as one guy you did mention, Dan, Mark Williams. I feel like he's been a sleeper and a steal, especially for Sharps and Fantasy. Rath, how do you feel about that and where are you drafted, Mark? I have him in the 80s, um, and that may be a bit conservative for him just because you have a healthy LaMelo ball. That two-man game is going to be fun to watch down there. So I think the, the only threat is if they try to go with a timeshare between him and Nick Richards. You know, Maybe that boosts Nick in terms of like late-round value as a streamer possibly, but you, sent, you have to hope that Mark Williams is going to be the guy who gets 28 to 30 minutes a game at, at the five for them. Yeah, I mean – Nick Richards, JT Thor, sounds like a competition to get those 30 minutes. So uh, Mark yeah. Williams probably be playing a little more than we expect here. 
Uh, before we get out of here, guys, because the NBA season will be starting next time we film together. So question to you, MVP pick and champion pick, NBA title pick. Who you got? Whoever wants to start. Jason Good, Tatum, MVP. Denver Nuggets repeat as champions. Ooh. I'm going to take Shea Gilgis-Alexander, MVP. I think the Thunder are going to be much improved. As for the champion, I'm going to go with the Bucks. I think I think Dame gets his ring this year. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I'm on Tatum and the Bucks. Those are my two picks. Uh, I don't have much faith in the Bucks winning, but I do feel like I mean they made the moves necessary to go get a ring, maybe. Uh, so let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go, Tatum. Let's go, Bucks. And uh, let's go, SGA? Question mark. Yeah. Uh, no, love that. <laughs> love that. From Von Delzel, Dan Titus, Raphael Johnson. And our producer, Adam Wise, we appreciate you guys for watching and listening. Please subscribe, leave us a like, and uh, check us out, too, at Amazon.com backslash NBC Sports. Have a good day. Enjoy all the games.